Lord, we thank you for again for this morning, for what you're doing. God, thank you for the worship. Thank you for your manifest presence. Lord, this is what we long for. This is why we're here. We want to encounter you. Every time we gather together, whether it's in this room, or whether it's in a parking lot, or whether it's in a home, Lord, we want your presence. If your presence doesn't go with us, we don't want to go anywhere. But we thank you, you are with us. And we thank you for this morning, for this Father's Day. And we want this to be a Father's Day like no other. We want to, you, Lord, you, God the Father, Lord, to be exalted, be lifted up. And we pray for that revelation of the heart of the Father, our Father God. And we thank you and trust you and believe you in the name, the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Go with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 15. And one of the most familiar stories, and then I'm going to read it, we'll talk about it, look at some things, and then I'm, I believe there's going to be an impartation this morning. I'm going to wait. I would tell you something else that happened in the last 10 days, 11 days, but I'm going to wait till it happens. Sometimes you can spoil things if you tell them, you know what I mean, because you mess it up. And besides, God will do far more exceedingly abundantly the things that we would ever even think about. God is not limited to how we can define what we see him doing. You know, he's, he does way beyond. I remember Bobby one time when he was here before, he said God gave him permission to exaggerate what he's doing on the earth. Because eyes not seen, ears not heard, you know. He does great, great things way beyond what we could imagine. So look, Luke 15 and verse 11. Jesus said, then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. In other words, give me what's mine. Give me my inheritance. Give me, give me, give me. And, uh, and it really was his, but it wasn't his right then, but he demanded it. And so he divided, the father divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. The word prodigal means what? Wasteful living. He wasted. It didn't take long. After many days, he wasted all that he had been given. But when he had spent all, verse 14, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. In other words, he ran out of all his father had given him the inheritance, all that he demanded, all that he demanded, what he wanted for himself. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. In other words, he got what he could get. There's a famine. And probably wasn't making anything, but he went to join himself. And then in verse 16, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. And I was thinking about when I was a young boy, we would go to Tennessee and my granny had hogs. How many of you, how many of you had hogs or your granny had or your grandmother? You know, and I would go with her. She would take me by the hand and we would slop the hogs. That food was not that, you know, was not that great. It was just pretty, it was slop. Looked like slop to me. And then they would pour it into this thing and, and the pigs, they had the worst manners. 
They were, they were sloppy pigs. They, yeah, I know why they call them slop. But anyway, they gave, you know, that's what he had. He would have gladly. But nobody gave him anything. I wonder, you know, this is a picture of food stamps and the welfare state. You know, sometimes compassion is not giving something to someone. Sometimes don't give them. Let them run empty and find God. Run to God. They'll find that God will provide for them. But anyway, we mess things up by our programs of man. Anyway, that just came to my mind. Just saying, verse 17. But look what happened, because this is what happened. But when he came to himself, nobody gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he woke. He had an awakening. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. Now, the first time he went to the father, what was his request? Give me. Give me what's mine. I want what's mine. This time he goes, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. You know, he saw not only the son that was rebellious, that wanted his and took off. He saw him as his son. He saw him as his son. We'll talk more about that. He saw him, ran and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned. I have sinned. In other words, give me. Now I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now, it was seven years ago on Father's Day that was the last time that I saw my earthly father. And God just arranged that. In fact, it was the last time I saw my mother. Most of you know that story. My dad my mom both died 24 hours, within 24 hours apart. My, my mom had Alzheimer's. Then toward the end of that 10-year journey of, with Alzheimer's, my dad got cancer. And uh, when my mom died, my dad, he took care of my mom. He fed her. He changed her. He clothed her, especially the last four or five years of that, you know what I mean? And, but he loved my mom. He never gave up. My dad is my hero because he had faith. He demonstrated what it meant. You know, in, in sickness or in health, you know, till death us do part. He loved my mom to the very end, and he believed with all of his heart that God was going to heal him, heal her. And, uh, but she's healed right now, you know, I guarantee you. He's healed too, but he's one of my, my heroes. But he, you know, my dad, and Shirley mentioned this, my dad did not personally lead me to Jesus. He didn't sit down and say, son, pray this after me. You know, he didn't do that. But he led me to the places where I could encounter God for myself. And he guided me, directed me where I could be around the Word, where I could, you know, somehow be in the place where God could speak to me. And, uh, you know, that is one of the reasons. And, you know, Father's Day, I know that can be a sad day for some because some people didn't have a father. If we raise hands, there'd be some of you would say, well, my dad, <clears throat> you know, that's great. Your testimony of your father, my dad went AWOL. 
Again, he wasn't around, and, and he left or deserted the family, and there's all kinds of things. There are many dads that are missing in action today. You know, anybody can be a dad. It takes a whole lot more to be a father. And uh, we need fathers today. And uh, you know, even the last, you know how the Old Testament, the last word in the Old Testament is the word what? Think about it. The last word in the Old Testament. Curse. That's interesting. Curse. Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And what's the remedy for that? In Malachi, that there will be a turning of the hearts of the fathers to the hearts of the children. And the children, the hearts of the children, to their fathers. And so we need fathers in this hour. You know, we need natural, yes, but we need also spiritual fathers. Are you guys ready to be spiritual fathers and mothers? Are you ready? Because I'm telling you, the, there's a harvest that's going to need us. It's going to need you, going to need the love that you have. And the experiences that you've gone through. And so we got to get ready for that. But we need most of all a revelation of God the Father in this hour. Now the Trinity is one of those. It's not a foundation of the faith, you know, that's written over in Hebrews. But it is pretty fundamental, you know, and it's there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Remember, referring to God the Son. Remember when Jesus asked Peter, he said... Who do men say that I, the Son of Man... Now, he already answered it right there. He said, but who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? You remember how he responded? He said, well, some say you're, you know, John the Baptist, you're Elijah, you're one of the prophets. And Jesus interrupted. He said, but who do you say that I am? And he said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. You know, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven... Listen, flesh and blood cannot reveal the Son to you. The Father reveals the Son. He reveals. And so that's how this all begins, because of God's love in the heart of the Father revealing. And then the Holy Spirit. There's God the Son, the Holy Spirit. You know, remember, was it Paul in Acts chapter 19? He said, uh, did you receive the Spirit when you were baptized? You remember how they responded? We hadn't even heard and I didn't even know there was. It's like, you know, the denomination I came out of. You know, I didn't even know. I knew a little bit about the Spirit. They told me to stay away from the Holy Spirit for one thing back in those days, you know. I knew that. But, uh, but they said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And he says, well, what were you baptized? And we were baptized, you know, in John's baptism. He goes on, lays hands on them. The Spirit of God falls upon them, you know, and... They get a revelation of the Holy Spirit. But we need a revelation of the Father in this hour. You know what better day for it to happen on Father's Day? Good things have happened on Father's Day. Revival broke out in Pensacola. I'm always looking for stuff to break out. They can talk me out of it till I'm... They, they, it's not going to happen. I'm always looking for the unseen hand of God to come in. That's what happened with the Moravians. That's what that man, the oil man, pointed out. He came and preached about the Moravians. And he said how Zinzendorf, you know, they're in his, you know, repertoire, whatever, you know, the, the journals. How the unseen hand, how, the God, how God came into the room. How the Spirit of God came. And we need a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit again. We need for the Spirit to be poured out from on high. And you'll know when that happens. 
you'll know. Because man won't have a lot to say about it. He won't have a lot to control. With just a lot of yieldedness. You know, you just, when the glory of God comes in, and I know this is the temple, but I'm looking, you know, the glory of the latter-day house is going to be far greater than the former. And so when the glory comes in, you're not going to even, you may not even hear a lot of preaching in that hour because we're going to be on our face. We're going to be weeping before God. I'm looking for this. And even if that doesn't happen, He's already among us. I'm not going to be talked out of that. Somebody tried to talk me out of that recently. He's here. I don't need all that, but it would be good because we need that anointing, that unction for this harvest. There's a harvest coming you would not believe. I'm telling you, I prophesy that over you. We're not going to be able to believe it. People are going to say, how in the world could that little bitty church in Moravian Falls see that many people come to Jesus? Well, I can tell you right now, it's not because of us. It's because of Him and the plan of God. God chooses who He wills. It's not to those who run or not to those who are worthy. It's to those whom God calls to this hour. So anyway, I'm trying to stay the course. I'm not going to chase any rabbits. That's one thing I want to, I'm going to make a resolution after the sabbatical. No more rabbits. No, I can't do that. Because sometimes they're fun. I'm having a good time. You know. But I, you know what I mean. We need to stay the course. We need to be serious. And have a good time. And laugh. We need joy. The king, the government of God is joy. Somebody said that's why Haley's coming around. You look at her, there's joy on her face. Dylan, Dylan has a lot of joy. I have never seen Dylan frown. Have you? It's, it's impossible. So there's going to be a lot of joy in that house, double joy. And if they frown, we'll know they, they need a little counsel and they need a little, little kicking around. Okay, guys, God began this good work in you. He will complete it. You know, we all need that. We need people to come and kick us around and tell us it's not over. You know, but it's never going to be. God is doing a wonderful thing. Well, I just want to lift 11 things about God the Father, okay? So I'm, I'm going to pray, God, it's not my words. It's not even if I do or don't chase rabbits. It's, it's the Word of God. And it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That more than anything... You pray for me more than anything I want is that anointing, that anointing that convicts people. You know, the conviction where people cannot but help come to the Lord. You know, they, like in the great awakenings, they would weep and they would crawl on the floor to the altar. They would fall out of the chairs. Well, in those days, they had pews. You know, that's all they had and they didn't have chairs. We have chairs. But fall out of the chair or the pew, it doesn't matter. We need the Holy Spirit. So there are 11 things about the heart of God the Father. Number one, He's the one who guides us when we're young and continues throughout all of our days. Jeremiah 3, verse 4. Will you not from this time cry to me, My Father, you are the God of my youth. Psalm 32, 8. He will instruct you and guide you and teach you with His eye upon you. And you know, every... Child needs guidance. I needed a lot of guidance. We need guidance. But then, you know, God is a guide. He doesn't quit. My dad guided me. In a, he guided me in the world's economies. I'll give you an example. He used to always take me to school. 
first six years when I went to Pleasant Hill Elementary, he would drop me off at the crosswalk. And I remember a lot of those conversations. And I remember the day, this, now you can tell how old this is, this, you, most of you guys can relate. My dad said, he was getting a little bit frustrated with the rise of price of gas. He said, you know, son, they want to drive gas up to 50 cents a gallon. I said, no, dad, no. They want to drive it to a dollar a gallon. And my dad said, no, no, it'll never be a dollar a gallon. 50 cents a gallon, no, it's not going to be. It's way beyond, that was a long time ago. But you know, we don't outgrow the guidance of our Heavenly Father. Here's some way that He guides us. He guides us through times of critical decisions. When you're going to go left or right, there's a guide that will lead you in the right way. I would have never, well, I don't know, I can't say never, but I possibly would not have met Shirley because, you know, I've always had a missions heart. Some of the greatest experiences of my life were on the mission field. That's why we're in a mission base. It's so cool to me that people are going to mission fields. And I'm going to go more and more. But I had a, I went to Dominica. It's in the West Indies. You know, it's just a beautiful island. One of the most beautiful islands on the earth. Went a couple of times. And then i just getting ready. I moved to Texas. And the missionaries were leaving Dominica and they suggested that I'd come and take their place for that sabbatical. They were taking a year's sabbatical, you know, and, and uh, I almost went. And if I had gone, I would have missed everything that I would not. That was during the time that I would go to West Virginia and all of that stuff and meet Shirley and all these things. But there was just something. I committed it to counsel, you know, elders. I had people pray for me. And, but it was, it was a little small voice because I wanted to go. You know, that, you see that island, you want to go. It's an amazing island. But uh, I wanted to go, but something deep inside said, wait, stay the course, young man, stay the course. And I'm so glad I stayed the course. Shirley would have been, she wouldn't have been around, Emily would have been around somehow, and I, you know, I don't know how, but, you know, I was going to have an Emily no matter what. But anyway, he guides us through life storms. That's the second thing. We're either going to come out, we're either coming out of a storm, going into a storm, or we're in a storm. Or there's a forecast. Jesus, how do you know that? Jesus said in Matthew 7, the winds and the rain and the flood. That's not what's going to wipe you out. It's where you build your house. If you build it on solid ground, there are going to be storms in life. And then he, he guides us into the places where to live, the seasons. I have no question that we're at the right place at the right time. If you're in Moravian Falls, you're in the gathering... And you survived to this point, you're in the right place at the right time. Okay? You're in the right place. You know what I mean? If you survive sabbatical, because I remember when I just attended this place and they would have the long sabbaticals, sometimes I, you know, I got weary out there in the world, you know. I mean, my goodness, God, you know, I need church. And then God would say, no, that's the problem. You need me. You gather with the people because you need one another. You bet. But you need me, and you need, to, you need what I can give you every day, all the time, Monday through Saturday. And then he guides us in our relationships. Hey, Haley, i got to tell you a secret. You know, I, I meet with Dylan. We used to meet all the time. Over the last few months, we, uh, I'm talking about the young men. Yeah, and we have this round table. Ever since I got reconnected with Jack Taylor 
it's like a heart of a father struck, happened, you know, it just happened. So we've been meeting with James and Dylan and Micah and many of the guys, Caleb and those guys. But anyway, I'm, I'm telling them about meeting Shirley. And I said, the scripture God most used for me was Genesis. In Genesis, it says he brought the woman to the man. And I said, you don't have to go looking for your wife. God will bring the woman to you. And I looked over at Dylan and he had this funny look in his eyes. He had a glare in his eyes, like, you know, like he was thinking stuff, you know what I mean? He probably went home, probably about the time all that stuff unfolded, I don't know. It's not my fault, I didn't do it, I just, I was just telling him the testimony. But God will guide you. He'll direct your ways, you don't have to go look. If you seek him first, all these things will be added unto you. And then he guides us through the valley of the shadow of death. Rick has had this incredible, we won't go there, but this encounter of the valley of the shadow of death. And he'll be writing about that. And then he guides us through the most difficult times. He guides us to the places where we need him, where we come to find that he's the only one. And that's exactly what happened to the prodigal son. It says when he came to himself. Wouldn't it be amazing if all over America today the prodigals would Come, they would just all of a sudden come to themselves and say, what I've been doing hasn't been working. I've run out. You know, maybe God would pull the plug on all the government programs and they run out and there's nobody that gives them anything and they say, I'll, I'll arise and go to my father. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? Let it happen, God. And then he's an everlasting father. He's everlasting. Isaiah, you know the scripture, 9, 6. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Isaiah 63, you are my father, though Abraham was ignorant of us, and Israel does not acknowledge us. You know, there'll be those that won't acknowledge you. There'll be those that will, re will reject you. You, O Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer, from everlasting is your name. And so he's an everlasting father. I lost my father on Father's Day. Or no, it was after that, but that's the last time I saw him. And I told him I loved him. I said, Happy Father's Day. The next time I'm telling him Happy Father's Day, I'm going to see him face to face. Because we're going to go together. We're going to see the Lord. He's already seen him. But he's an everlasting father. And then the third thing, Isaiah 64, it says, But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you're the potter, and all we are the work of your hand. In other words, he's the one who has made us. He's shaped us. He's molded us. He's made us into what we are to be. It's God the Father that does that. When I was in West Virginia, before Shirley came along, you know, I would spend time. I would go up and just pray in the church, but behind I had the, there was a pond, and I'd walk out. There's some rocks, and I'd walk out on the pond, Probably looked like I was walking on water. You know, I don't know what it looked like, but I would walk out on those rocks and stand there. It wasn't in the middle of the pond, but, you know, it was, it was out in it, and I'd just pray. And If I had faith, I would have walked. Why didn't I do that? I should have tried it. Nobody was looking. It would have been a good time to try it out. But anyway, I was, this time I was in the church, and I was saying, God, what do you want to do most in my life? Over the next years, what is it you want to do? And all of a sudden, I saw an image of the hand of God. Now, it wasn't a writing on the wall that, that you know, that Belshazzar. That wasn't a good thing. It was a wake-up call. But I just saw the hand of God, and God was saying, I'm going to put my hand on you. 
And I'm going to mold you. I'm going to make you. I'm going to be like the one, the potter. You know, the potter has to put a little effort. You know, if a piece of pottery turns out, if there's a flaw, what does the potter do? Sometimes he breaks it, remolds it, remakes it. How many of you have been broken, rebroken, remolded, remade? You're still under construction. That's a good sign. You're going to be broken. Listen, that means he's working on you. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And so, but, and he's the one that's doing that. And then he's a father who deserves all the honor. You know, we're to honor our fathers and my mothers. And I did the best I could being up here. You know, you got to love God more than your fathers and your mothers. And when my mom got Alzheimer's disease, that's right after that, God called me to leave, to come here. And it was so hard. My dad wept. My mom wept. I didn't want to go, really. I thought I could stay closer. But God was calling me here, and he made it plain that I was to come. And you know, the scripture says, he that loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And I, you know, I went. But I would get home as much as I could back in those days. I'd go home every six weeks. Even when I was pastor here, those last years of, before they died, I would, I would get, I don't care, I would show up on a Sunday and I'd go home, spend a few days, encourage my dad, help change my mom, whatever I could do to help, you know what I mean, as a good son. And I did that unto the end. But we're to honor. Now, how do you honor God the Father? Well, here, Malachi chapter 1, listen to this. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? If I'm a master, where's my reverence, says the Lord? To you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible. Now, here's, here's how it relates to all of us. One thing, if we offer stale food, yesterday's anointing, that's a defilement. We have to have fresh oil, fresh anointing, fresh manna. But also, and if you love, that's how you love God. You love people. If you love Him, that's how you do, the shepherd. But also, it speaks to all of us. It says, and when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is that not evil? When you offer the lame and the sick, is that not evil? Offer that then to the, your governor. Would he be pleased with you? In other words, we honor God by giving God our best. Not what's left over. We don't give him what's, you know, the, just the, 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 the pieces left over. We give him the absolute best. It's the only way we honor God. That's the way we do it. What do we have to give him? All of our heart. He doesn't want part of our heart. He wants all of our heart. He's not going to accept a part heart offering. He's, we got, he's got to have all of us. Back in those early days, I used to say many people know him. Or they want to know him as Savior, but they don't know him as Lord. I don't, how can that exist? It's not exist. That doesn't even exist. You've got to know him as Savior and Lord. He's got, Lord means boss. means you give it all up. Now, I know there's a journey in this. I know he's working with us. And we're growing in this lordship. This un, but still, he's Lord. He's Lord of all. And then he's a rewarder. God the Father is a rewarder. Matthew 6, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have your reward from your father or no reward from your father in heaven. 
Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have their glory from men. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you, what? Openly. Openly. I heard Rick one time speak about how the Lord showed him many people lost their reward in heaven because they told people on earth something they should have kept to themselves. And so they got the applause of men, applause of men and they lost the applause of heaven. Listen, we, we don't need the applause of men. If God is for you, who can be against you? We want the applause of heaven. And so that's not saying, you know, don't, it's not a law. It doesn't mean you can't tell everything. But there's some things you need to keep to yourself. I've heard it said that prophets are known on the earth by what they tell men. Prophets are known in heaven by what they keep to themselves. And what only heaven knows. We want to be those kind. We want to be those that only heaven knows. Reward, it means to give, to pay, to perform, to recompense, to render, to restore, to reward. And God is a rewarder. Remember Hebrews. He's a rewarder of those who do what? Who diligently seek after Him. They're, he is their goal. He is their reward. He's the one they want the applause from. They're seeking His, his joy, His purpose, His dream. We pray that all the time. God, what's the dream of your heart for Moravian Falls? I'm telling you, it's written in a book. It's written in a book. It's written in a scroll. And I ask God all the time, God, let me read the scroll. Let me eat the scroll that you've written about this place. And God's doing it. I know He's going to do it because He's faithful. He wants more. He does not want the Lamb to lose the reward of His suffering. Way more than we do. And then... He knows what we need. Father knows best. You ever, was that a television series or something? Father knows best. Way back in the days. It was before I was born. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. No, I don't know when Father knows best. I don't know. But my Father knows best. You know, fathers do what they, what best seems to them. But God does what is the best. Therefore, do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? All these things that Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. You know, we don't even know what we should pray as we ought. That's why we pray, God, give me the heart. Give me your heart. Heaven's heart for intercession. The Holy Spirit ever lives. Jesus ever lives to make intercession. And the Spirit prays through us. And then He's the giver of good things. Say good things. Matthew 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will what? Find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. Everyone knocks. Everyone. The door will be open. And we referred to this earlier. For if a son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? You know, God is not giving us the hand-me-downs. He's giving us His best, the very best. 
Now, you know, and he goes on in that scripture in Matthew. You, you remember this. It says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good things to them that ask? Now, that, it says good things there, but over in another, it says, gives the Holy Spirit to them that ask. You know that. And that there's a difference in the Gospels there. He gives good things, and then the good thing is defined is it in Luke where it says he gives the Holy Spirit that asks? You know, the greatest gift right now that God could give the church in America is another outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because this thing's not going to happen because men are smart enough or men can preach enough or whatever. Our programs all of a sudden hit the target. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. That's why we pray. The guys that gather for prayer around here all through the week, we're praying, God, send the Holy Spirit. He said, if you ask, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. So guess what God's going to do? He's going to give us the Holy Spirit. It's the greatest thing, the greatest gift, other than salvation for the lost. But for the church, we need that fresh gift of the Spirit to be poured out. And every gift freely comes from above. Remember, that scripture is good and perfect comes from the Father above. And then Romans chapter 8 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out. Remember, what's the word? Abba, Father. You know what Abba means? Father. It's just it's Father. The Arabic, right? Not the Hebrew, the Arabic. And so it's just Father, Father. Father, Abba, Father. In other words... There's a little emphasis there. Abba, Father. In other words, he wants you to know more than him just as the Father. I'll tell you, this week, I went with Don Potter. Don's going to come help some too, be with us, be a part. I told him, Don, you know, we got to hang around some together here. This thing happens as we believe going to happen. We're going to need everybody. We're going to have boatloads of folks. We won't know what to do with them. He's got a worship center up at the top of that mountain. And God told him just to kind of keep it, you know, quiet for a season. He just goes there and ministers to Jesus. What a strange ministry. Just minister to the Lord. That's all of us. That's all, that's all we, we, that's our highest calling. To minister to the Lord. We minister to Him. But anyway, Don was telling me because he never had really much of an earthly father. And uh, he was just talking. He said God spoke to him recently and said, Don... Son, you know it's good. It's good that you know me as the Heavenly Father. I want you to know me as your Heavenly Father. Your Father. And Don said that just, you know, it wiped him out. And I'm telling you, we need that revelation. He's not just the Father. He's your Father. He's your Father. I pray God releases that fresh in you. He's your Heavenly Father. Revelation, personal, firsthand, and there's nothing like it. And he's, then he's the God, two more, three more things, the Father of mercy and comfort. And blessed be, and this is Second Corinthians, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. How many of you are glad he's a God of mercy? We deserve judgment. All of us deserve judgment. But it's mercies, God's mercy his love is... Now, think about this. You know, the son, it was an amazing... You know, he demanded all that he had 
all that belonged to him. He took it, went off, you know, and spent it, wasted it, and all things. And then when, the, when he came back, the father was waiting, watching for the son. When, when he saw him round that curve, he didn't see him as the no-good son, rebellious son that took off on his own. You know, he saw him as his son. He saw him. And that's why he ran and embraced, grabbed hold of his son, kissed him, and gave him everything. And then he's the, the father that disciplines with purpose. We've got to put this in there because he is a God that disciplines. How many of you know that? How many of you have been disciplined by God the Father? You know, if you haven't, you don't belong to him. It's just the way it says. It says, if, Hebrews, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which of you become partakers, then you're illegitimate and you're not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. We shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us, as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. You won't be holy unless he's disciplining you so that you yield. We yield to his holiness, his leading, his Perfection, nevertheless, and it says, but it's painful. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful. How many of you rejoiced when you were getting a whipping by your dad? Wow, rejoice, hallelujah. No, I told you the story. One time I was calling for the police. My dad was beating me. I thought, help, police. I literally did that. He hit me harder. The police never, where is a cop when you need one? He wouldn't come. I was just a little kid. I learned a lesson. Don't call for the police. <laughs> anyway, it's painful, painful, painful. If you think that was painful, what do you think his chastening is like? Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Training is an ongoing process. And then... It's a father whose love never fails. This is the last one, okay? And then we're going to pray. A father, he's a father whose love never fails. Behold, remember that scripture? I was thinking about that song we used to sing. Behold what manner of love the father is, he has given unto us that we should become the children of God, the sons of God, the daughters of God. Now the father had two sons. The younger goes to his father, give me my portion. Now, this was unusual to give the inheritance, you know, before the death, but he did. It didn't take long. After many days, he wasted all on prodigal, wasteful living. Became, there was famine in the land. He would have eaten gladly what was given, what was the swine, the pigs were eating. Soon he became hungry. Nobody gave him anything. And then it says he came to himself. He had an awakening. This is where we're going to pray for an awakening this morning of the prodigals of America. Can we pray that from Raving Falls? Yes, we can. Because the harvest is huge. And then he said, I will arise and go to my father. And I'll have, for I've sinned. He'll say, I've sinned. Give me the portion. And then when he was away off, you know, he saw his son. He saw his son 
He saw his son. So, we, so many of us feel so shamed. We feel like we don't deserve. You know, God made me like one of your hired servants. No, you're not going to be one of my hired servants. You're my son. And then he embraces his son. He gives him the robe, which is an honor and distinction. The ring, which was the ring? A sign of authority. You know, you have the ring that belongs to the father. You go in the store. That's mine. That's my father's. He's already paid. It's mine. The sandals were worn by a son. Servants went barefoot. The son wore the sandals. And then he killed the fatted calf. And the father restored him completely. I read this week where toward the end of the Civil War, a reporter, or at least someone, probably was a CNN reporter, went to President Lincoln, you know, trying to stir up trouble, went to President Lincoln. And he said, what are you going to do to these rebellious Southerners? You know, probably with a little pride. You know, he had to be a Northern, you know, but anyway, nothing against the Northern. But you know what I mean. He was a little proud for this guy was. What are you going to do to those Southerners when they're defeated and they return to the Union? You know what Abraham Lincoln told him? He said, I will treat them as if they'd never been away. That's God the Father. That's God's heart. I will treat them as if they've never been away. I tell you, if we could get one just glimpse of the love of the Father, He'd blow us away, I'm telling you. Wipe us out. And we need to pray this morning. There are many prodigals out there. God loves them. Yeah, they're in rebellion. And there are many that are caught up in things and I know they must come through the cross. You know, you don't forget that. The, the, the man, the, the son said, I have sinned. You know, it's not one of these cheap grace things. Okay, God loves you, just turn to him. God's love covers. No, you got to go through the blood. He said, I have sinned. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. And God forgave him. And the answer is the cross. It's the blood of Jesus. So we need the cross to be lifted up over this land. The blood, the message, the gospel, the hope. There's no other way. He's a loving God, but he, there's no greater love than this, than one would lay down his life for his friend. It's all around the cross. So let's just pray. I, I want to pray for people here, people watching. But I, how many of you know somebody that's a prodigal, a son, a daughter, a cousin, a uncle, aunt, somebody, they're prodigals, they're living in the world. The nation is full of them. They've been captured by this, you know, political spirit, this ungodly spirit of antichrist. We're beginning to see what it really is. We're beginning to call what it is because it's coming out of the closet. It's evil. It's, you know, preparing people for the mark of the beast. We've said either you're going to be a worshiper of the beast or you're going to be at war with the beast. As for me and my house, we're going to be at war with the beast because we are going to follow the Lord. We're going to follow the Lamb wherever He goes. But there are many people caught and they need the, the power of heaven to break the yoke, to open their eyes. They need to come to themselves. Now, there's many ways that can happen. They can become destitute. God, you know, the hammer can fall. I'd just rather the mercy of God fall upon the land, the love of the Father. So, God, we just pray this morning. For prodigals all over America, sons and daughters, uncles, 
aunts, cousins, Lord, brothers, sisters, Lord, we pray for our nation, God. We pray for those that have been caught up in the spirit of the world, this system, and they've been blinded to the truth and they've bought the lies of inclusiveness or whatever. Lord, we thank you that you are inclusive. You said, whosoever will, whosoever shall come to me, whosoever shall thirst. For God so loved the world, you're inclusive in that anyone can come to your son. And so, God, we pray afresh for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to fall upon our nation. God, we ask you for the drawing power. Nobody can come. Nobody can come to the Son unless the Father draws him. And we ask you for the drawing of the Father, the conviction that cannot be explained away, that cannot be ignored. We ask you, let it fall across the land. In the name of Jesus, God, we pray for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We're asking you, you said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall my heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? We're asking God for a fresh outbreak of the Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit of God be poured out from on high. And Lord, we pray for the harvest right now. Lord, by faith, we take these nets off of this wall and we toss them to the north, the south, the east, and the west. And we call the prodigals in. We call them, come home. And God will treat you as if you've never been away. And God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that covers all of our sin. And Lord, we ask you now for the lost. They're not prodigals, they're lost. They're lost and we pray for their, that they would come to Jesus. God, we ask you to do it. We ask you one more time in America, raise up places all over this land where the harvest, the boats would be overwhelmed with the fish and there are too many. We have to share them with all over. Lord, we ask you for this. God, you're the Lord of the harvest. This harvest belongs to you. And God, we give ourselves to this as a congregation. We recommit our lives to you. We commit, Lord, I commit to you the dream, the vision that you've given me for so many years. And even these last days, you've given me the final chapter of that 30-year-old dream. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're ruling and reigning. And Lord, I pray, let your will be done and your kingdom come. God, shake the church in America. Send a great awakening. One more time, God, we pray. And we thank you for it. And Lord, I pray right now for everyone in this room, those that are watching by the web stream. Listen, if you're here or you're watching and you've never surrendered to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you once walked with Him, you once were in love with Him, but you've walked away. You're no longer where you were. And you want to come back as a prodigal. We're going to pray that this morning. I'm going to pray the prodigals come back, okay? And, the, and those who never knew him, but prodigals, both, both would come to him. So we're going to pray. How many of you right now say, I need prayer. I'm not where I used to be with God. I'm not where I used to be with the Lord. I need prayer. Pray for me. I want to know him. I want to know him as the father, as God, my father, not just the father. So let's pray. Father, we pray right now. Those watching, just, I want you to repeat after me. If you're watching online if you're in this place or you'll watch later on, you'll watch this message. Just pray this out loud and we'll pray it as a reconfirmation. Say, Dear God, I need you. 
I confess that I'm a sinner. I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. And I thank you for Jesus. That he shed his blood for me. He died on the cross and then he rose from the dead. I repent of my sin. I turn from all of my own ways. All of my wasteful living. And I surrender afresh to you. I declare you as my Lord. As my Savior. I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me and cleanse me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the power of heaven. That I could live for you. As a son. As a daughter. As a child of the King. And we thank you for it. Now I receive by faith. Your ring. Your robe. And the sandals. And the fatted calf. The best that you have. Now let's just wait. Just let this sink in and seal it. And then I'm going to pray. There's a real anointing here. More, Lord. Holy Spirit. As some of you, your earthly father deserted you. But God the Father is going to embrace you. He's going, to, he's going to give you, fill you with a love you've never known before. I'm telling you, there's a new revelation of that. The love of the Father. Thank you, God. Some of you need maybe, this just came to my mind, you need to forgive your Father. I know that many of us have gone through those prayers of forgiveness. But if your Father, you know, he ran or he was AWOL, God, just right now, just... I forgive you. Just forgive you. Say, well, he's already dead. Forgive him anyway. Just say, God, I forgive you. My earthly father, if he mistreated you, or he wasn't even there as you were growing up, but say, God, I, forg I forgive my father. And I thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, I thank you for your anointing here this morning. And Lord, I just bless, I bless, I release the father's blessing. Upon every one, every son, every daughter in this room, everyone watching, I release the Father's blessing. I don't care what's been spoken against them. I, do, I break every negative word. I break every curse, every judgment. I break every agreement with the enemy. And I thank you, God, is what you've spoken about these that most matters. And I thank you, you see us as the sons and the daughters. Now, Lord, I pray you'd give us the heart of fathers for our children, Lord, this generation, that we would be those who have the heart of a father for the generation. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord.